Welcome to The Emergent Human, where we explore optimizing health and body spirituality and post-conventional living. I'm Michael Osterlink, a therapist, coach, and educator, and I'm your host. Do you want to do a shout out to my friend, Dr. Melissa Peterson and her new book, Codes of Longevity, learn from 20 plus of today's leading health experts, how to unlock your potential to look, feel, and live life optimized 120 and beyond. Today's show is brought to you by Cosper Scafidi, an amazing body worker in the Northern Virginia area who has integrated different somatic practices into his work, including rolfing. You can learn more about him by visiting his website, cosperscafidi.com. Today, our guest is Wendy Taylor. Today, we are going to talk with Wendy about building career resilience. Wendy has a relentless commitment to helping each client identify their unique gifts and value propositions and find jobs where they can express their full potential and be well rewarded for it. Wendy brings a rare combination of experience to her practice. She has deep knowledge of human development through every stage of development into adulthood and knows how to guide her clients into developing the specific mindset, traits, and skills needed to succeed in the jobs that express their true potential. Good to see you, Wendy. Great to be here. So before we get into how you work with clients, and I, and I love calling your developmental framework and, and, and staged model that you work with or through, tell us a little bit about like your background and what eventually led you into career resilience and career coaching. So I had a calling in college when my baby brother, who is 12 years younger than me, I volunteered in his uh, first grade classroom and helped a little girl who was not reading at all learn to read in one session. And her teacher came to me and said, you need to teach. <laughs> so, and that really was a, a huge momentous experience for me. So um, this all took place in California. I moved back to Maryland where I've grown up, went to a excellent university focused on teaching, got a teaching degree. And I did end up doing some teaching, but mostly what I did with that degree is I ran youth and family services for a YMCA in Central Maryland. And in that experience, I was responsible for managing programs for K through 12 and being a partner for parents. So everything I did was about building mind, body, and spirit for families in a YMCA environment, but I didn't touch athletics or aquatics. I touched day camp. I touched after-school programs. I touched parenting programs. I touched family night. We worked with the local high school to do post-prom events. We had teen nights, all of those activities, and youth and government in my last year there the youth and gov the youth governor of Maryland was one of my kids. Um, that experience got me thinking about the overlap between great education, great parenting, and great management. And I I had never seen a Venn diagram in my life at that point, <laughs> but I developed one in my head because I looked at those three and I said they overlap a lot. And. I felt a real calling at that point that helping families was actually what I was put on the planet to do. Mm. And um, then at 30, <laughs> I moved cross country back to California, got a job at a fintech startup and joined when they were 25 people. And we sold the company in April 2002 for $100 million. And 400 of the 500 employees at that point worked for me. 
uh, yeah, it was, it was a big wow. And it was a huge experience. And it taught me a lot about the different stages of development a, a business can go through. So I understood child development. I understood the demands on parents at each stage of child development. All of a sudden I was looking at companies and seeing a similar kind of pattern that there's a difference between the needs of a company when there are five to 25 employees versus 25 to 75 versus my sweet spot at the time and probably still would be if I went back to that, which is where you're, it's time to move out of chaos and into organization. And that was my sweet spot. That's what I did for that company. I just took department after department and got it to the level that made it possible for us to be acquired or go public. Uh, after that, I did management consulting with big Fortune 500 companies, with venture-backed tech startups. And what I missed most about being in management was coaching. And I had had an opportunity when I left that startup to get outplacement services and was the youngest executive in their current cohort of clients became the social media expert for that cohort. So there I am, I'm 36 years old. Everybody else in the room was also VP or higher, but they had more gray hair than I actually do now in my 50s. <laughs> <laughs> and they um, became to really rely on me as their expert in social media and let me stick around after my paid time was done. And that was the beginning of my experience helping coach people on career transitions. Uh, and then when I really started doing more of the career coaching, it was putting it all together, putting my understanding of the developmental stages of businesses, the developmental stages of careers, uh, the developmental stages of families. And when I look at my testimonials, what makes me most proud is the testimonials that talk about healthier marriages, children doing better in school, um, I have a client now who isn't married yet, and we are planning his career for the job that he will do next, not the job he's looking to get right now, so that he will be a more attentive, more engaged father. Wow. Yeah. That I is love awesome. That. That it is. really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. So we're working on getting him a down payment so that he can move back from California to upper state New York buy a home with what will then be his wife and start his family and then work in businesses where being engaged in your family, especially for men, which isn't always typical, most businesses aren't very welcoming of that, where that's a priority and he can be a really engaged dad. And it, it's really a way of putting it all together. All that real business experience mixed with that real understanding of being on journeys with families. And now I'm just, instead of Instead of the journey with the family being, I'm making sure your children when they're not in school are building mind, body, and spirit. And I'm training the people who are doing that. And I'm there to support you through rough times as a parent. And now it's, I'm focused on your career so that it can pay for and make space for the rest of your life. And if sometimes that means helping you figure out that being a home after school might be more important than volunteering for the PTA, then I can pull that out and do that too. How did the systems perspective, which obviously you hold, come yeah. to you? Because it's not natural to most people. It isn't. So I was, 
I, I've thought a lot about this because of conversations you and I, I have had previously. And really, that started really young, way before that moment where I taught that little girl to read. I was a gifted, highly sensitive, incredibly introverted little girl who was also way taller than her peer group in addition to functioning intellectually at a different level. And so I spent a, my entire, say, K through sixth grade period observing everybody, um, observing my peer group, not understanding why they behaved in certain ways that didn't make sense to me, <laughs> uh, and being the kid that the teachers would forget that I was a kid and they'd say things in front of me. <laughs> and, um, and so that was a foundation, that was a lens through which I saw things. And then when my mom had my brother, she started telling me all of her thoughts on child development. And I just soaked them all up. I lapped them all up. My mother didn't get to get a college degree. And then when I went and studied education, I found out that my mother was brilliant about child development. Every little nuance of the way she put things together it set children up for success. And that infused everything. So all that paying attention and seeing systems mixed with that experience with my mother, I just lapped up anything I could get whether it's psychology, developmental. Uh, I didn't get exposed to generational theory until my late 30s, but everything I could get in that, and all just went into my brain and then was put into organizational structures because that is how my, my brain works. It thinks that way. And when I work with people, I bring a structure to their a career transition, say, or uh, we're setting a goal and then often what I do involves a lot of grounded in psychology. Say you're looking for a job, the way we use what people think of as networking is completely different, but it's grounded in psychology about how people want to help other people or how people want to feel wise. And so everything is infused with that, like it's steeped, like you would you know, be making custom cocktails and you would steep vodka with some kind of herbs. Um, uh, that kind of thing, it's all steeped in either developmental theory, uh, the needs of the people around you, a lot of Venn diagram -y kind of circular overlappings, and then those systems and structures and basic psychology, whether it's my interview prep process or my networking process, and then customizing it for the person. Are you a total introvert? Are you a total extrovert? Are you dominant left brain or right brain? I'm really even, so I can handle both. I'm also now an extroverted introvert, so I can also handle both of those. If I'm in charge of the situation, if I get to create the space, total extrovert. Um, so I think most people would have, have an idea what introvert extrovert is, because it's pretty mm -hmm. commonly used. And even left brain, right brain, right, left brain, right brain. <laughs> is pretty common metaphorically speaking yeah. but can you maybe speak a little bit like if someone comes to you mm -hmm. what kind of questions you might ask them and why it's important for you to understand if they're introverted versus extroverted or some interesting connection between the two how they express themselves and left brain right brain too so um first of all i'll just point blank ask them and see if there's a confident answer and then i can validate it with our experience together but sometimes people don't have a confident answer uh, especially people who fall in the middle of the road, introverted and extroverted. Um, and so then if somebody says, I'm not really sure which I am, 
I'll, I'll ask some questions about if you're in charge of the situation, do you tend to feel more comfortable? Are you, are you able to be quite extroverted, but there's scenarios in which you're uncomfortable? And usually that'll be the scenario for the middle of the pack. And a lot of us are that way. Um, if you're not stressed, if you're not sick, if you're in a space where you're comfortable, you actually can present quite extroverted for many of us. Um, with the left brain, right brain, I will ask about that, but once again, most of us aren't all that self-aware on that. There's cute little quizzes you can take on Facebook, but uh, <laughs> I, wouldn't put, I wouldn't put your career decisions in those hands. Um, in fact, I'm not a huge fan of most of the assessment tools. I think that there are, um, are more that you can go deeper by being much more customized about going on a journey with that. So with left right brain, right brain, I quickly find out how do my people respond to the different assignments I give them? Do they lap up creativity? Are they demotivated by a spreadsheet? Are they totally comfortable with the spreadsheet, but I can't get them to tell me why they're passionate about something? Those are different kinds of things I do. I also ask questions like, where do you go to hear yourself think? Where, where do you go where you turn off if they're early career, your parents' voices, if they're married, your spouse's voice? Um, I ask questions about what your mind-body practice, spirit practices are. You know, it, sometimes I think I'm still a YMCA program director, <laughs> but that was what we called it back then in, in the 90s. And I wanna know that because I use it as part of interview prep practice. I wanna know what causes joy for you those kinds of things. So I asked those questions very early on. What else might you learn if you're finding it, inquiring about their mind, body, spirit practices, besides how they do joy? How, so, what else would you Yeah, learn? so for interview prep, I really want to know what their mind, body, spirit practice is because it's the most important thing they'll do to prepare for an interview. It will slow down the speed of the questions and will make them a better version of themselves. I actually, when I talk to, when I'm working with someone and they don't have one, little flags come up. Uh, what, that, what, would be, what would be some examples of those practices that you've yeah. heard from clients? So in California, yoga and meditation are number one and number two. If I get out of the West Coast, I will find religious practices. I will find prayer, I will find scripture, I will find Bible study. Um, I also find a lot of nature-based hiking. When I walk my dog, especially if I just walk, somebody, one of my clients has a four-month-old and he was taught not to go by himself walking the dog with, with the baby in the stroller. He was warned that that wasn't actually safe. So he, if he's alone, will walk the dog by himself the baby stays home. And then that time is solely about him and the dog. And that is a huge experience for him where he totally grounds himself. Um, so that is my, my favorite was the surfer. <laughs> so I had a surfer and his goal was to raise his children in Southern California. He lived in Marin. He and his wife both surf. Their children were eight and 10 and they wanted to get them out of the Bay Area into a small surfing community and raise them there. And he needed to find a job after 21 years at a major retailer in, as the number two to the CFO. We found him a job. He had to interview in Michigan a month before lockdown started. And I said, oh Lordy, so you can't surf that morning, 
what are you going to do instead? He said, well, I actually do run. And we've been working together for a while. That had never come up. So I said, great, the running shoes will fit in the suitcase easy. Because <laughs> there's no surfing in Michigan. But, <laughs> but those children are now in that surf town with their mom and dad. And that's one of my, my favorite stories. But the mind-body-spirit is also valuable for grounding you for every conversation you have, for every hard day, for founders, their pitch days, all of that. It's super important. You know, one of the words I use to describe you when talking about you is like you use human potential. You know, you're interested in helping your clients maximize their potential. And I wonder if you could speak to that. Why is that mm -hmm. important to you? And how does that fit into the work that you do with your clients? So I'll, I'll start with the how does it work and then we'll get to the why. So it works in everything from asking a ton of questions. A client recently, I started working with her and she's the CFO of a small credit union. And she said, I wanna work for a bigger credit union. I've learned everything I can learn here. I'm ready for more. She's in her mid fifties. And I said, why not CEO? And there was silence. Oh, wow. I've never thought about that. Just didn't even consider it. Um, she's actually in the running now for a job at a much larger credit union where she would um, be within a year the CFO, but that is such a huge leap for her that that's a good move. But I definitely, I'm often talking with, with people about where do you want to go and what that looks like. And that may be title-based, that may be life-based, like my client who's planning to be an engaged dad. and. We want to get him as far as we can and make good money to get that house and then pull him into larger organizations where he isn't going to ever be the chief product officer. He's just going to lead a team of product managers and take vacations and, and play Little League. When clients come to you, do they do most of them realize that, they, that they're able to design their own lives? Because no. one, one thing I'm kind of hearing you say is like, wow, you help them think outside their own box and design a life where they are and where yes. they want to be in five or ten or however many years. Yes, and that's a lot of question asking. It's a lot of creating a safe space. Um, it's a lot of... So I start with really simple things. I start with talents and skills and what you love doing and what you excel at. And then we go into passions and interests and mind-body-spirit practices and what gives you joy and then we get into the harder stuff that works really well i tell them it's a brain transplant it at first it's very objective um i also know if we already have confidence issues if they don't think they excel at anything especially if they've been in the workforce for more than a few years so i get to find a few things out maybe more psychologically early on um so what we're doing in fact one of the phrases i would I would use for my work or a marketing tagline would be career design for your whole life. And uh, usually people come to me when there's an urgent need for a change. Um, sometimes it's I've already lost the job, sometimes I can see layoffs coming, or I need out of here, I'm miserable. And that's how you end up with the spouses referring me to everyone they know because I make their lives so much better because there's nothing very little worse than being married to someone who hates their job. So, <laughs> so um, that is what we do. And for some of my clients, those doors are shut 
And as they start working with me, they get open. I'm one of my favorite clients, most successful, got three job offers, five months pregnant. <laughs> and she said early on, I don't need a life coach. And I thought, well, I, I'm not a life coach, so that's good. <laughs> so we start working on her job search and she had, she knew I want to be chief product officer and then CEO. She wanted to do it by 40. We're not going to quite get there. Um, but she's now had two children and she about halfway through, she started wanting to talk about her husband's a doctor. They had lived in Atlanta. He wanted to move back to Atlanta. She wanted to try and make it in Silicon Valley. And so far, she's still winning that debate. Uh, they're still in Silicon Valley, and the, the youngest baby's five. But it definitely is something where sometimes people come to me and think, I just want to get to the next step, or I want to plan about the ladders I'm climbing in my job. And I don't need any help with anything else. Nothing else is going on. And that's fine, except what I'm trying to get at is that you have in in the business term you have strategic relationships you have stakeholders that care about your career and that includes your children and your spouse and your pets and uh, the people that you sing in a church choir with and the people you are in a running group with and the other dads in the little league team all of that matters. All those people care about you making good decisions for your career and, and being your whole best self. And sometimes it just takes a while. And sometimes I don't even find it all out until the end. They write me a testimonial. The woman with the kids doing better in school, I, I didn't know the state of her marriage or her health when we started working together. I just knew she was working 80 hours a week. And because I've done that, I know what that does to you. <laughs> and in her testimonial, she said, my marriage is, is stronger and my health is stronger. And people who know me see the change. And all we ever talked about were her children and her career. We never talked about the other two. And so that's kind of wild to me, but I, I get goosebumps <laughs> when I think about her. So you've mentioned kind of types of clients that mm -hmm. uh, really um, benefit from your services. Do you have a, like a, ooh, this is my best client? Not, not in terms of one individual, but a type of client yeah. that you love to work with as opposed to your other types of clients? That's such a great question. Uh, and if you looked at me on LinkedIn, it will very stately, it will clear, clearly state a target customer or target uh, client but that's really from a constraint of marketing says you need to have a niche and <laughs> what what is really my niche is when i can do the career design like the guy who's not even married to the girlfriend yet and we can actually say okay we're going to get married we're going to buy a house we're going to have kids i'm going to be an engaged dad so what does the next job have to do to lay the groundwork for some of that and that that to me is ideal where there's an acknowledgement that the career is a huge piece of this whole puzzle that is your life and it has to fit in right and that is the most fun uh, and when we can work on not just finding the next job and being smart about what that next job needs to do to move you forward for the one after that but also look at well how do you need to grow professionally what do you need to work on to 
to make it to a next level that is not just about the next level. And I mean, heck, I was a pretty achievement-oriented person in in both my nonprofit work because I won awards and one first grant I wrote we won uh, to <laughs> which I now know is actually really kind of wild <laughs> and and all the things I did at a fintech startup or all the clients I worked with in management consulting it's it's just that that's not the only achievement we're focused on it's one piece of it and we don't need to be ashamed about we don't need to hide the light under the bushel for either the career achievement or the life achievement piece and the people that I love working with are enthusiastic whether or not they ever are going to have children um, because we all have whole lives whether or not I, I didn't get to have children I understand parenting better than anyone who doesn't because of that whole first 10 years of my career but um, we all need to have whole lives whether we have partners or not, whether we have children or not, and the careers have to be a huge component to contribute to that. Do, do your client are your clients uh, many of them surprised by like a few things, questions about mind, body, spirit practices, about where they are, their vision in the near future, what their relationship and other obligatory um, spaces are like. What going to buy a house? I need to move. Like you talked about the gentleman in New York, or the person who wanted to move down south. Uh, into uh, from Northern California, Southern California. You know, those, I could imagine that most people coming to a career counselor are like, oh, how do I rewrite my resume? <laughs> yes. How do I reach out to that particular person in that company that I want to work for? As opposed to, oh, what are your spiritual practices? And what's your life goals? <laughs> and what's your, you know, how do we optimize your potential? Like, I can't imagine too many career coaches even think about that, let alone. No, they don't. You know, that to their clients how do your clients respond to your approach it it varies wildly i noticed that since i've done a lot more posting on linkedin and my approach is, is infused in that even if i talk mostly about interview prep because everybody knows they need to get better at that there's still um oh i i, I do the inner game posts i do the the guy who made cocktails the night before his interview and that made him less robotic. You know, all those stories, people really respond to those. So if they meet me now as a complete stranger, they have probably seen those. And so they're not completely surprised. Um, depending on which of my former clients referred them to me, they could be surprised. But when you come to me because the wife of the surfer because the surfer is a total introvert, by the way. His wife probably provided about 50% of my income last year by referring that many people to me. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. nice. So she told everybody she knew. Then she told her best friend, who is a divorce attorney, and she started telling clients. Now, usually when you're getting divorced, it's not a really good time to make a job change necessarily, but um, I did get a client out of that too. <laughs> so. The reality is, is ideal clients come to me because they want that. So I'm talking to someone later today. It'll be our second exploratory conversation. He has a Stanford MBA. He's working for an elite consulting firm and he has done some amazing things internationally. And he feels he wants to get back to things that have a good deal more meaning than management consulting. And I understand that because I've done management consulting. In fact, the man 
who taught me how to do management consulting work for the firm this guy works for. So I understand his firm really well. And um, so I got excited when I got off that call because he wants to have a conversation about my work aligning with my values and being inspiring to me. And so to me, that's, that's a perfect fit client is, is whether it's aligning with values or supporting my whole life, that's the ideal scenario. And yes, some people come to me and they like the, the lady with the three job offers when she was pregnant. They don't think they need anything else and that's fine. We focus on the job. I ask the questions, you answer them, you don't. Um, early on, I had a guy, he was a tennis player and had a rock band in his late 50s. And I asked my, my questions, it wasn't even as long a list as it is now. And he said, that's for retirement. We don't need to talk about that. I don't have to, I, I play as much tennis as I can. I play in my band when I can, and when I retire, I'll do more of it. And then six weeks later, he finds out about a job lead at lunch with somebody. I said, where did you meet that guy? And he gets really quiet. There's silence. And then he says, like a kid that just got caught doing something they know better about. And he said, playing tennis. <laughs> And, and all of a sudden it all made sense. And so sometimes, sometimes I'm helping people like that understand that they get to have a whole life. It's not just about their career. And that's a good thing too. Do you have many clients who come to you and they're like, I'm, I've been in this field for however long in this field. I, I want to, I, you know, I have a skill set, capacities within that field, but I, I don't want to be in tech or finance or a lawyer anymore. I want to. I, I had a dream when I was five. And, you know, I want to go that way with it. <laughs> yes. You know, those kind of clients. I have, and I, I've had a whole running um, minor lawyer theme. People who don't want to practice law anymore I have one right now, uh, and another who left her own practice and then somebody else's practice and is working for Amazon on making sure everything Amazon has made in Asia is made without abusing the people who are making it. Uh, yeah, so, and she's also making triple what she's ever made before in her life. Yeah. Yeah, not quite sure how much she's seeing her children, so we may not have that piece of the puzzle down yet, but we'll work on that. But I've worked with both her and her husband, so that's really cool. I know that, I know that family really well at this point. But yes, people do come to me, and it's a good time. One of my testimonials says, it's great to work with Wendy if you know exactly where you're going. It's also great if you don't know exactly where you're going and you need help figuring that out. But the middle of that is, I don't wanna be where I am. I wanna get somewhere else and I don't know how to get there. And what I can guarantee you is, if you apply for the jobs that are here when you've been here, you will not get. You will not get anywhere because you can't get an interview through a conventional job applying practice no matter how disciplined you are if you are not a perfect fit. And you won't be a perfect fit if you're making a transition. And it doesn't matter if you wanted to do this for your entire life. And you really were put on the planet to do it. If your work history doesn't support it, applying for jobs isn't gonna get you there. And you need a strategy that will get you there. And it will either get you there directly or with a half step, depending on the situation and the person. I have one right now, took off to care for a dying parent with um, ALS and he's my second caregiver actually second male caregiver in the last six weeks and he when he came back to work 
he was able to get a job, but a step down, about 35K less, uh, and he lives in Northern California, so that really hurts, <laughs> because that's a very expensive place to live. And so we're trying to get him back to where he was before he um, took that time off. And in that case, it's not a huge transition, but now it's been six years since he's done that work. And the employers care. So that's what we do. But sometimes it's huge, like the lawyer right now figuring out, do I want to work for a foundation? She loves education. She did a lot of great work, nonprofit work in education. We're actually exploring her doing buzz dev business development for an ed tech company instead of actually being a lawyer for them. And since she had been the lawyer for several school districts, she actually understands how to navigate the bureaucracy of schools really, really, really well. So that may be a path for her if she is ready to be brave enough to totally leave the law behind. Do you, do you ever find former clients to be helpful with present day clients? Yes, and I'm doing more of that now. Mm -hmm. um, the inspiration is I have a recent Princeton PhD who fell in love with data science writing his dissertation and didn't actually want to do um, microbiology anymore. And his dad hired me um, and he has a really teeny network. So we worked on building it so he wasn't dependent on me, his dad, and a former client who introduced me to this family. And so I've, I've got a meeting with, I actually developed now a group call for my existing one-on-one -on -one clients so they can support each other. Oh, that's great. I, I do group for new graduates who can't afford one-on-one. -on -one. But okay. I, I'd always wanted to add the group component for my one-on-one -on -one clients. And it's great because they'll speak Wendy, or if I want to be branded, taking charge. <laughs> and so they understand that the, they all understand this is not a conventional job search. We're not going about this the way everybody says you're supposed to go about it. And we support each other. And I had men on there talking about how... I'm taking really long finding this job working with Wendy because I've been enjoying being actively engaged with my children. I've been enjoying being the homeschooling parent. I've been enjoying doing all the cooking. All those were things said by men on the call last Thursday. That's great. And that makes me so happy because that, that's, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. So I work with them a bit longer. It's okay. With uh, technology, kind of as we transition from industrial to information age, do you see more flexibility in what's possible for people, both geographically and in terms of um, time, time, you know, like nine to five or eight to six, and then geography and things along those lines? I do. And it's interesting because there's a lot of great human holistic perspective benefit to all of that, being able to choose your best working times. Uh, being able to choose where you live. I've developed a tool to help people choose a new city to move to. I developed it 10 years ago for a client, oh, cool. okay. a lawyer working in DC who wanted one last job before he retired. Okay. And we helped him pick a place. Ironically, the place was in Tennessee. The next oh. person to use it was me. <laughs> and, and, the outcome was the same, but it is not a Tennessee-specific spreadsheet. <laughs> Nobody else who's used it has come up with Tennessee. But uh, 
and that is completely holistic. It's all the different categories of your life, and then your spouse's life if you're married, and then your children and your pets. Because I've got oh. veterinary stuff in there. Our cat in California had acupuncture. If we still had a cat, we would have wanted to know that there was acupuncture for feline oh. Americans here yeah. in Nashville. <laughs> so um, yes, so definitely, I see a lot of advantages. My hesitancy to that is is that I've seen so much harm done to my clients during lockdown, that being disconnected, particularly my, um, particularly my single clients. That's been horrendous. But even the guy saying now, I've enjoyed being inactive in my kids' lives. To be perfectly honest, what he calls a crisis of motivation was probably a pretty bad depressive period. Mm. And so I think the lack of connection that people feel when only using devices to connect with each other, not being able to be face-to-face -face without dividers, plastic, shields, masks, cloths, whatever it is, that's done a lot of harm, and I want to see people getting back to working face-to-face -to, -face to some degree. But that said, um, that CFO in the credit union, the mm. job she's going after is in Washington State. Her husband's a professor in Oklahoma. He doesn't want to retire early. He'll lose a lot of pension. So she has this opportunity she would not have had if it weren't for remote work being much more abundant and I've worked with people living in rural parts of California who still work for or in Las Vegas who still work for Silicon Valley companies but get to keep more of their paycheck and if they left California would keep even more of their paycheck which could be a good strategic move for people because then you don't have to work 70 hours a week maybe if if you are somewhere where your finances are different and your money goes further you had mentioned uh, mind, body, spirit, especially when you worked at younger, and then you also integrated that into mm -hmm. your present day work as a, a career coach. Mm -hmm. How does that play for you? So what, how, what kind of practices do you have to help you through busy days, long, after, <laughs> long weeks, <laughs> long years, in this case, this last year with COVID? So that's interesting because we're in the biggest room in my house. And in the background is a baby grand piano and a physio ball. And you can't see it, but there's a yoga mat back there too. So uh, I am, I have always been someone whose body kind of fell apart pretty quickly doing hardcore exercise or hardcore athletics. I also have a real type A, highly ordered, highly achieving, highly performing personality, high energy, high enthusiasm. My voice coach is trying to get me to talk quiet, more quietly when I talk to people. <laughs> uh, this is not an easy thing. At least I do it with headsets now. It does, it does help because we're, we're um, working, getting me ready for my next singing goal. But so for me, the yoga, meditation, um, we live in a beautiful neighborhood that appears to be a mix of a suburb surrounded by a forest, but in a city. So we can walk in our neighborhood. Uh, we see lots of trees. I'm photographing every stage of spring. Um, this is actually the fourth season we've spent in this house. I work in, not in my home office, but in this great room because it's surrounded by windows. So when I'm talking 
to clients, I am looking out at trees if there's nice. the light and and singing is a huge part of my life as well. And then my, we do have a spiritual practice. Um, we have a, an app for a spiritual source where my husband will pick keywords and then and so whatever our current issue is, are we focused on prosperity? Are we focused on healing? Are we focused on peace? Whatever the need is in that moment, he'll do searches and get these great readings. And that's how we end our day. Um, oh, very nice. And, I love that. And then I am a serious, serious foodie. I'm a really good home cook. I'm married to the same. And so us cooking dinner at night in our now much better than our San Francisco kitchen with a six burner range <laughs> is a really, and that's not a, that's not a having a thing thing for us. That is a joy factor thing for us. Mm -hmm. That definitely is, we have a larder stocked with with non-perishable goods, you know, those that talk about resilience so that when when inventory gets crazy after this last year, the planner and me said, OK, we're not going through that again. <laughs> we're going to have in stock what we need to have in stock. So the cooking is a huge piece for me, the cooking, the music. And since I haven't been able to sing live with people, working with a voice teacher has been really huge. And now the last lesson, she was working with me on my breathing and I came up with all these ideas of when I do live in-person events again, um, career design for your whole life where we bring people to Nashville, which we intend to do, actually doing some breath work that's about singing. I mean, if you're going to come to Music City to talk about your career, we may as well get you singing. So exactly and, <laughs> I love and that. it's That's great awesome. yeah it's great and my favorite thing when i do trainings usually involves play-doh and scented markers so um i it, it's a great way to get people out of their brains and into a new oh, space yeah, a more open that. space and as long as there isn't too much childhood trauma it brings back good stuff and that's that's a wonderful thing now i, I love how you've kind of integrated so many different schools of thought into your work with clients that is so cool now if people are interested like oh my god this sounds wonderful how do they find out more about you so probably linkedin is the best place to find me um because well if you work for other people you're probably on there <laughs> and so i was the first wendy taylor on linkedin actually my 14th anniversary on linkedin was uh yesterday uh, oh, cool. So I was a relatively early adopter, but uh, so I'm LinkedIn.com forward slash in forward slash Wendy Taylor. So no numbers. I'm Wendy Taylor. It still says I'm in the Bay Area because a lot of my clients are there and I've got some things going on so that it won't say Nashville there, but it will say taking charge and we'll have pictures of me uh, leading a training in the background that I did actually at my church in San Francisco that we had a Sunday summer jazz series and I did a jobs and jazz program right before um, the jazz service. Okay. So yeah, so when, so find me on LinkedIn, um, Wendy Taylor, and you'll see the taking charge. There will be orange in the, on the banner and then you'll know you found me. <laughs> so they can find you and then they can do like a direct message to you. Yes, exactly. About how, to, how to work with you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And just That's know, if you're well, not I'm a techie, I still love you. <laughs> What's that? 
Okay. <laughs> so I'll make sure to include the link to your, oh, to your LinkedIn in the show notes. Oh, that'd be wonderful. And actually, that's a good point. Um, I mean, your background is a lot of tech, but you're not. Yeah. Li- you don't have it limited yourself. No. In finding people careers in the tech space, you find no, careers for people in any space. I'm tech centric on my about on my profile. But the reality is, is that um, I'm working with a museum curator, an interior designer, uh, the lawyer, uh, the CFO and a credit union. So I've got a and a guy who runs a um, a, apparel for um, like mountain biking company on my client roster right now. So I think the techies are only 40 percent at the moment. Well, Wendy, this has been fascinating. Let me encourage folks to, uh, to look up you. You know, I don't know if you call it friending you, but friend you on LinkedIn. <laughs> that works and, for me. Uh, when they need you, yeah, uh, you know, reach out to you and learn more about your services and how you work, because um, it just sounds fascinating. It sounds, you know, when I talk, when I introduce the show, I talk about post-conventional living, and I would say that your approach to career counseling is really post-conventional, which I love. Obviously, that's why you're on the show. (laughs) Thank you for joining us today. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me.